Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined once again by my great friend, great friend, I would say, and my co-host, J.D. Hall. J.D., we finally had two back-to-back good games in the playoffs, something that feels like it hasn't happened this whole... I'm not going to lie, J.D., this playoffs has kind of sucked. This is kind of like the 2016 playoffs where it's like... Remember the 2016 finals, J.D.? Everyone's like, oh, this is such a good series. Every game but the last one was a blowout, and the last one, no one could throw a rock in the ocean. Yeah. But, J.D., how are we feeling after the Celtics put away the heat? Just, like, instant reactions. We're recording this about 40 minutes after the end of Game 7. Boston just won 196. I'll get, we'll give a more in-depth breakdown later. But what's your instant reaction off of Game 7? Uh, I'm hurt for Jimmy. Outside of that, um, I mean, hey, I've said for as long as you knew me, um, Boston young guys should have been the core, and it's who they built around. And I think finally they seen that it paid off, regardless of anything we can use, um, versus the Brooklyn series, the Milwaukee series, Miami series. These young guys showed up and they took care of business. It was a little bit rocky, though, J.D. There were some points where the young guys absolutely did not show up. Um, Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Jalen Brown forgot how to dribble (laughs) in these playoffs. Um, It's been an interesting ride for sure. The Celtics almost blew this game. We'll, We'll talk more about that later. Jimmy... I mean, I said this last week, right? I'm pretty sure I said this last week when we were talking. Superstars don't leave any bullets in the chamber when it's all said and done. Jimmy Butler had a horrendous games three through five. He was injured, but he frankly just wasn't the guy that the Heat needed. From game, like the second half of game three on till game five, the Celtics dominated every facet of the series mm-hmm. for those 10 quarters quarters have been talked about a lot. I think this is the most anyone's ever talked about quarters in a playoffs. Those 10 quarters were dominated by the Celtics. And then Jimmy Butler comes out 47 in game six, 35 tonight. And he took the last shot for the heat, not the last shot, but he took the shot to take the lead for the heat. It didn't go in. But, J.D., you knew Jimmy was going to take some kind of shot there. The question yeah. is, what was he going to do? And we'll talk more about that later. But do you want to get into more of the in-depth breakdown of the series and how it's gone? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that leads up to that moment very well. For sure. So game five, the Celtics won 93 to 80 in a game that wasn't really even that close. Um, game six, the Heat won 111 to 103. And we're not going to talk much about game six, but I just want to highlight Jimmy Butler's box score from this game. 47 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, four steals, a block. (laughs) 11 of 11 from the free throw line, four of eight from three, 16 of 29 from the field. Um, The greatest game six performance in Boston in Miami Heat history, I'll say. 
And that's better that I am including the famous LeBron James 45-15 game against Boston in 2012. I think that game was better than that. But And then game seven tonight, obviously, the Heat lost 186. The Celtics are making their first final since 2000, I think 2010. 2010. The last time they made the finals was against Kobe. Was Kobe's last finals? Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. It's, that's it, that's insane. JD, let's talk about the Celtics before we talk about the Heat. Why did they win this series? To you, um, they had games where they just couldn't miss. In all honesty, I think that I don't think they. W- I don't think this was a series about the better team. I think it was a series about what team could carry a high stretch. And it was like maybe three games where it just felt Boston wasn't going to miss. I mean, even to start this game, you just felt they weren't going to miss. And the opposite was going on for Miami. And I think, hey, it, it worked. Just like versus um, Milwaukee. They had that first half of game seven. Couldn't make a shot. Second half, they couldn't miss. I mean, maybe that's just them. But it was just moments where it's like, all right, that's four bad shots in a row. They all can't fall. Then they shoot a fifth one and a sixth one. It's like, all right, maybe they just having the game. For sure. Tonight, like you were saying, 11 of 32 for Boston, 34%. Six for 30 for Miami, 20% even. Now that should be seven for 31 because I've never seen this happen before, JD. They reviewed a play while the game was going on. And they took away a Max Struess three-pointer in the third quarter. I think it was 65-57 at the time. Yeah. I think someone was at the free throw line for Boston. Can't remember who. But they took away a three, and they ended up losing by four. If <laughs> if they had that three, they're up 99-98 to in that spot. With and Jimmy, Jimmy one forced that three. He, he absolutely wouldn't have not. He would have gone to the basket. And... Boston kind of controlled this game, but it felt like, and I think this will be a concern against Golden State. It felt like at the end of every quarter, Miami was able to snatch up like 11 points. Yeah. At the end of every quarter. Like it felt like at the end of the third, end of the third, there was a pretty sizable lead. And then the heat cut it to single digits. End of the second quarter, same thing. End of the fourth quarter. So I have the, um, the play log lined up here. Marcus Smarts hits a free throw at 335 left in the fourth. After that, Miami proceeds to, for the next <laughs> for the next three, two and a half minutes, the Heat go on an 11-0 run to bring it within two. Smart misses the layup. Jimmy gets it in transition, pulls the three. Here's a question for you. I think everyone's going to talk about this three a lot the next couple of days. Jimmy kind of went Kobe with it, right? That's something that's definitely something Kobe would have done in that exact scenario. Mm-hmm. Let's just get right to it. What did you think of that shot when it happened? Um, I thought no Jimmy, no. 
Same thing. I thought no Jimmy no, but I was hoping it went in. And the only reason I thought no Jimmy no was because I felt he could have got a better shot. Still 20 seconds on the clock. Take it to the hole. You might get a foul. You trust your defense in that matter. But I think due to the knee injury and due to the fact he hadn't came out, he wanted to put them away. And we've seen plenty of the best players on other teams go for the juggler versus tying the game. I mean, we saw Steph do it. Jimmy, Kawhi, LeBron, Kobe, Paul Pierce, D-Wade. Like, we could think of all the best guys, whether they was a shooter or non-shooter. That's what they did. John Morant. Kyrie, KD, Russell Westbrook. We seen them all do it. So it's not one of them situations where it's like, oh, this person. No, they all have done it. It's just some get the shot to fall, some don't. It's not a bad shot if he make it. Right. (laughs) You're totally right about that. But I think there are a couple factors here. First one is, is that Jimmy Butler is not a good three-point shooter, right? He has gotten a lot of threes to go in in this series. Inexplicably, inexplicably, he becomes a better shooter in the playoffs, and it's why he's been one of the, like, the three best players this, these playoffs. I think the three best guys these playoffs, I don't, I don't know if you'll agree with this, J.D. I think it's been Steph, Jimmy, and Giannis. I think those three have been the three best guys this whole playoffs, including Luka. By the way, I think Jimmy has just been insane with what he's been able to do. But yeah, like you have the championship mentality, but at the same time, you know, I think that there's just a smarter play to be made there, right? Like maybe Struess fills the lane, gets a wide open corner three by you penetrating, right? And we saw Struess hit a massive three 30 seconds before. And it was a crazy three he hit too. It was like an off balance fadeaway yeah. three. I'm taking him. I'm willing to wager that Struess hits that three in that moment if he fills the lane the right way. Or if Struess gets closed out hard like the Celtics. I think the Celtics are really good at closing out on three-point shooters. Struess closes out hard. You have Oladipo trailing. Oladipo was great in this game, I felt. Yeah. Oladipo's been really good this whole series. You, I think you should take a victory lap on that, personally. Because you were you hit the nail on the head with that one. I was a little more doubtful of him. But. I, I, I've been calling for Vic. This entire, what, from the moment he put in Miami jersey on, I said once he gets a little bit healthy. What was the percentage I used? I said if Vic could get to 50%, Miami could be any team in the East. I think we saw Vic get to that 50%, but I was not relying on the injuries. I thought if everybody was healthy, because Vic... Locked up Jalen Brown this series. I don't care how much Jalen Brown had in the game. He could not score on Victor Oladipo. He hated dribbling around him. We've seen it this game. He had zero turnovers until Vic started guarding him. When Vic guarded Tatum in the fourth quarter, Tatum wasn't trying to score. They kept trying to get the Stroop switch. Jimmy was in the table. I think I think Vic, 
I don't know how you'll feel about this. I think I like Vic playing alongside Jimmy and PJ Tucker better than I did Lowry. I I will say, you know, that hurts me in my heart and my soul when you say that. So you're correct. I'm not taking it very well, but I think maybe this series, maybe this, just for this series. I think for this series, that's completely fair. I think I'm going to close with Vincent over Lowry and it's not anything against Lowry. He took some massive charges. Um, He couldn't get going offensively. He just he's hurt and he's very clearly hurt. I would like I told you. JD, I think we said, talked about this on the last podcast. I would have sat him until game five. Yeah. I, I don't think he should have played until they went back to Miami the second time because I thought his legs were clearly shot. Yeah. And it was very obvious that he's laboring out there. And tonight, what was Larry's? What did he finish with? Four of 12 shooting, six of nine from the free throw line. Seven rebounds, three assists. 85% free throw shooter and shot bad from the line tonight. That's 67%. I think. And then another thing is PJ Tucker missing that second half. Oh, that favorite Boston. Because they would not have a rebound as great had PJ uh, on the offensive end if PJ is in the game. That's fair, but let's. We've been ragging on Bam all playoffs, and he's frankly deserved most of the the flack we've given him. He He showed up today. He showed up, and that's this is just what we wanted from Bam. He had twenty five points and eleven rebounds. This is and he played really good defense. This is what we wanted from Bam. He showed up on both sides of the basketball. He was going up hard. I think Horford was playing exceptional defense on him, and it didn't matter because Bam was muscling it through, getting the jump hooks to go, getting little fadeaways to fall. Like, (laughs) I don't think the Heat would have wagered on losing a game where you get 75 points from Lowry, Bam, and Jimmy combined. Yeah, because Bam had, what, 23? 25. Yeah, he he had 25. Yeah, and Jimmy had 35, so that's 60 there, like, Oh, oh man. I I think Tyler Hero might have been hurt this entire playoffs. I think so too. He couldn't turn the corner. He was he was getting hunted out there. Like he couldn't even walk this game. And you know I've dealt with that that same injury. And that's one of those things where I mean Superman LeBron set out what tw- 24 games because of that before even returning. I mean, that's one of those injuries that it doesn't just change how you play, but the way you mount, the way you walk, the way you sit, the way you squat, like it's everything part of a regular day life. Bending over to pick up a phone charger. Like it bothers all those type of things. So I commend health even trying to play like play with that injury. Yeah, and Miami, Miami was very depleted. They were, they were in Boston. I mean, if you just want to look at the teams they played, Brooklyn, you know, that's a wash, right? Because KD missed so much time and he was exhausted from carrying the team. And obviously we don't need to rehash the whole Kyrie thing. Um, <laughs> and then you play Milwaukee in the second round. They're missing Middleton, who 
would have made a I I still think would have made a huge difference against Boston, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, you see it every year, JD, right? Like usually yeah, the team I with called the, it last year. The team with the best injury luck usually makes the finals. Yeah. And like hell, we could do the same thing for Golden State too. They played Denver, who was a one man team because of injuries. They played Memphis, who was missing John Morant the last three games of that series. And then Dallas didn't really have any injuries, but Luca was a one man team. Luca benefited from Devin Booker being hurt. Because Devin Booker had a hamstring too, didn't he? Yeah. And you don't just recover, like you're saying, that's just not something you recover from. So listen. It's a war of attrition out there. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, Hero had a groin injury. Yeah. So I'm not taking anything away from the Celtics or the Warriors. It takes a lot to be the last team standing. Yeah, and injuries just come part of it. Their whole eight-man rotation is pretty much playing. I mean, Smart and Will- Rob Williams have missed some time this play- these playoffs, right? But it hasn't been significant enough to deter them. And they're in the finals. And I think Celtics Warriors is going to be a really good series. Let's talk a little more about the Miami Heat because we'll obviously talk more about the Celtics. So now that the Heat are done, you were talking about them needing to get a third star. Who, if you're the Heat, who do you try to get this summer? Um, a disgruntled center who loves Jimmy Butler. Jokic is available? I didn't know he was disgruntled. I don't think he would love to go to Miami. Not with them twins. Not with no, the twins. You're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> I'm talking about uh Mr. Troel and B. We we all know and B every chance he get, he's shouting out Jimmy, talking about wanting Jimmy back as a teammate. I don't think after this postseason, I don't really believe he cared to stay with Harden. I really don't. I think he he will want out. And if I'm Miami, I find a way to make Hero and Duncan Robinson worth everything needed to pull off that trade. And JD, you know what sneaky happened at the trade deadline that nobody really talked about a whole lot? So, you know, OKC owns everyone's picks in the league, right? Mm-hmm. They had control of the Heat's pick. What the Heat did at this year's trade deadline was is they got awesome salary. And I think they gave Oklahoma City some money too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And they got basically they lightened the protections on that pick. So that pick is for sure going to Oklahoma City in 2025. But that means that he can trade either this year's first round pick or next year's first round pick. So you have that in your arsenal. And if they're going to, for a championship, you know the Heat are going to be willing to trade like 2029 first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Riley is old. Mickey yeah. Arison is old. They're going to try to, they're going to want to try to win chips now. And you saw with Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's a Tibbs guy. We, he's put a lot of miles on his body. Hell, he played 48 minutes tonight. Yeah. He's played 48 minutes in multiple playoff. Like, he's played more 48-minute playoff games, Shady, than anyone else in the league, I feel. I don't have the numbers to verify this, but I know he played a couple against Brooklyn when he was in Chicago. (laughs) 
<laughs> which was what, 10 years ago? <laughs> Jeez. He probably played a couple more in Chicago when Tibbs was there. Yeah, we, he, he played. He, I think when we played Miami in 2015, he played 47 minutes. I'm going to look up the two um, games. Basketball reference has this cool feature where you can look up the game highs for the playoffs. So 2013, 2012-13 plays 48 minutes in a playoff game. 2013-14 plays 53 minutes in a playoff game. 2014-15, 53 minutes and one second. (laughs) And then in the bubble he played... Apparently, his high was only 47 minutes and 12 seconds, but that's basically the whole game. And that so, was, I'm pretty sure that was a game versus the Lakers. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure, too. I'm pretty sure that was game five. Yeah. So he's been it's, it's crazy talking about Jimmy Butler. He's gotten better since he was in Chicago. They, Most have, guys, to, they have to give him his superstar status now. I mean, he's a superstar. They. I, JD, when he's a culture changer, a culture builder. I don't care what you want to say as far as him being tough to deal with. Every superstar is. Every superstar is tough to handle and deal with. The reason being, they're great. They're that great. And they they want greatness around them. If they can do it, they want you to be able to pull it out of you. As much as we want to talk about Jimmy being hard on his teammates. You never heard anybody in Miami complain about it. No. You never you never once heard that. As far as um even when they were saying Kawhi act like a diva. His Clippers teammate didn't have a problem with him getting the treatment. His Toronto teammates didn't have a problem with him getting that treatment. Like this is what happens with superstar when it comes to KD. The people who have the problem with the way KD is, the media. You don't hear his teammates going off about Kevin Durant. Unless it was Draymond Green. But, yeah, but Draymond's uh, like a media member at this point, so he doesn't count. Yeah. Um, with LeBron. LeBron is a... Everybody talk about Kyrie leaving LeBron. He didn't leave LeBron and say LeBron was a terrible teammate. He wanted to play a point guard role for once. He wanted to go explore himself as a point guard to keep developing his game. He never said LeBron was a bad teammate. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what you expect with superstars. They just come with something that you might not just be. You it's sometimes it's hard for you to handle. You think that you think that. People like the fact that Jokic handled the ball as much as he do for Denver. But you know who's not going to complain about it? The teammates that benefit from it. What was Ben Simmons' problem with Jimmy Butler? Took the ball out of his hands. Took the ball out of his hands. And they gave up Jimmy because Ben Simmons is the superstar. But we have heard not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. For the last three years, mostly every teammate Ben Simmons have has complained about him. Even some on his Brooklyn team now. Like, it's a difference between, like, when it's your superstars, people will take it. 
people will take it because this is what they do. That's just what they do. I'm pretty sure nobody liked the way Jordan went about stuff. But you know who took it and said, this is what's going to help us, and I'm fine with that? His teammates. Scott Burrell. He probably hated the way Jordan treated him. But he took it because it pushed him to win games, help him win championships. They might not even be cool to this day. But it's something that just comes with being a superstar. If you meet a, a friendly superstar that's not named Steph Curry, they're not a winner. Or Tim Duncan. Even Tim Duncan didn't like Tony Parker. I mean, after what, to, uh, we're not going to delegate. We're not going to talk. About I mean, Tony that was Parker. when Tony Parker first got there, though. We're, we're hey. not going to talk about Tony Parker. I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to get myself in trouble. I'm not going to talk about Tony Parker. Um, but, but yeah, I get what you say. <laughs> it's it's different, like for each guy. Right. And yeah, most superstars are assholes. And I, I do want to talk about Curry's impact and like what he's been for the Warriors. when We talk about them, but the Heat need to justify their faith in Jimmy Butler. They gave him a massive contract last summer. Massive. After the worst playoff series he's had as a superstar, like that series against Milwaukee. Milwaukee can neutralize Jimmy Butler. They're the only team in the league that can do it, which is crazy (laughs) because literally every other superstar can go off against them. But J.D. Witten, I do my top 100. I'm going to sit down and redo it sometime. Jimmy's probably he, I might have him in the top five, like what he's done last year. I give him a pass because that Milwaukee team was a horrible matchup for him. And none of his teammates stepped up right in 2020. When they played Milwaukee, Goran Dragic stepped up. Duncan Robinson was a huge player in that series after game one of that series in 2021, Duncan Robinson didn't make anything, you know? So I give Jimmy more of a pass for that since literally no one else showed up for that series this year and 2020 and 2019 and 2018. Jimmy has shown why he's a top player in the league time and time again. And it's funny because who are Jimmy's peers, right? It's Harden. (laughs) I'm pretty sure him and Harden graduated high school the same year. If my math's right. If not, Jimmy's a year older than Harden. How many years did Harden do in college? I think he did one at ASU. I'll look it up on Basketball Reference real quick. Because I think Jimmy was a four-year guy. Yeah, he did a year at Juco, and he did three at Marquette. Yeah, that sounds right. He was born in 89, so he's turning 33 in September. Um, Harden is... Okay, so Harden's turning 33 in August. So Harden's like a month older. So their peers, you know, Russell Westbrook, they all would have graduated college around the same time. The only guy that's Jimmy's age that is like better, only two guys that are Jimmy's age that are better than him is like Steph yeah. Gady. Yeah. That's it. And that's crazy because he's outlasted like Russell Westbrook won MVP. He's not the same guy. James Harden won MVP. Not the same guy. DeMar DeRozan, he's not on the level of player as Jimmy Butler is all these guys have gotten, I mean, DeMar hasn't gotten worse, but he, he don't affect the game the way that Jimmy does. Yeah. That's just a fact. That's a really good way. That's a really nice way of saying what I was trying to say. Like 
Jimmy has just gotten better and better as the years have gone along. And he deserves a lot of credit for that because putting up 47 in a game six with your back on against the wall. In a series where you literally had no teammates. Exactly. And Boston's defense has done a great job of shutting down superstars this whole playoffs. I've never seen anyone guard Kevin Durant better. Yeah. And, Kate, and Jimmy went off for 47. I think... I think at this point, anybody that don't have Jimmy in a superstar role is a hater. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think right now there's seven true superstars. I think it's in whatever whatever order. I'll do my top seven in order. Giannis, KD. Uh, my last three are in order. Giannis, KD, Steph. And then Kawhi. Then Jokic and B, Jimmy. I think those seven are the true superstars in the league. I no, think Luka. Luke... I don't think Luca's there yet. I think Luca. We'll talk. Do you want to go ahead and talk about the Warriors series now? Yeah, I think I think we did enough with oh. Boston and Miami. May, Miami, you had a wonderful season. I loved your team. I hope you had a star next summer. Since we talked about Golden State, Dallas, we were recording at the beginning of Dallas of Game Four. Dallas won Game Four, and we were both right because we said the series wasn't going past five games, and the Warriors knocked them out in five. Um, well, I will talk more about the Warriors when we preview the series. My issue with Luca, I just don't feel like he's taking his conditioning seriously enough. And here's here's my question for you, JD. If Luca was in that scenario, right? You remember that game a couple of years ago, the second round? It's Portland versus Denver. It's like a four overtime game, mm. and Jokic plays sixty five minutes, doesn't get tired. If Luca plays 65 minutes, does he play game five? Like, does he play the next game? It's a if, serious question if, to ask. I think he plays, but he's terrible. I think so, too. And that's the difference, right? You have no excuse. Like, I'm sorry. Looking at Jokic, Jokic has a definitively worse body type <laughs> to succeed in the NBA than Luka Doncic does. Luca. Should be play, should be an Iron Man. You're 23 years old. This is this isn't the best he'll be as a basketball player, but this is the best he'll be as like an athlete, as just you know like prime athletic years. This is that, and he's not athletic at all. That's not true. He's has like deceptive athleticism, like Harden does. But he should, JD. I think we can both agree he should be in better shape. Yeah. He take he he act like he's Shaq and he could just exactly. take the season to get in shape. And the thing is, Shaq was able to do it because of the way Shaq was built and the position he played and the way he played the game. Luca, you are a wing. You you play at the top of the key. You play guard the entire game. They come to pick on you on defense every play. And your load gets a lot heavier in the playoffs. You can't afford to do that. You have to use the season to test out those lungs. You can't use it to get your body right. You have to test out your lungs then. And look, like you've been saying about Giannis, you, I think it's a brilliant point that no one else is making about lungs. You were saying this about Giannis before last year. Like, Giannis just doesn't have the lungs. Giannis just doesn't have the lungs. 
And last year, what did he show? He had, he showed he was able to play long stretches. And even last year, Giannis had to sit out like for three minutes at a time mm-hmm. just to catch his wind. But he still was in a, like, he played a lot more minutes in the regular season last year than he did in 2020. And he needed to. He needed to, exactly. So he could get in sh- better shape. And I think Luca needs to do the same thing. Luca, Jason Kidd was a great coach, I thought. I thought he did a good job maximizing his pieces. I thought they got a lot of open threes in this series. They just didn't fall, right? It happens. You know, the reason you, why they it was they none knockdown shooters. Golden State had a perfect game plan. Totally. Although Bullock was wide open for a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, outside of him, but they they noticed he was off, and that's why they left him open. But the first game, they wasn't leaving him. It wasn't until they seen his his rhythm was uh, disrupted already. For sure. For sure. I think that the Mavericks supporting cast, I'm not going to hate on them like I hate on Luca. Like, you should have, like, the way everyone was hyping him up, including myself. And I'll take accountability for that. I got way on Luca hype train, and you told me to slow down. I think the way everyone was hyping Luca up, he should have taken more than a game off the Warriors. And let's be honest, the Warriors probably didn't even try hard in game four because they knew they'd make a lot of money in home revenue in game five. So they probably were like, oh, we'll take a, another home game. They wanted to, and then they wanted to do it in the chase center. Let's, let's establish our foundation here right now. Speaking yeah, of establishing foundations, you mentioned uh, wanting to talk about Steph. <laughs> I do want to talk about Steph. That's, man, just what he's doing, right? He didn't even have like a great series by his standards last. I thought the Mavericks did a really good job of guarding him and why I think why I think kid deserves so much credit. And I think Jared Dudley, too. I want to shout him out like he was criticized for going to the bench after being a, a player for the Lakers last year. But I think he runs a lot of the defensive stuff for them. And the way they trap Steph, Steph had to. I'm sorry, my cats are making noise in the background. Um, Steph was being trapped that he drove hard to the paint every single time. He was making wide open shots for Clay, wide open shots for Poole, wide open shots for Wiggins. And just his energy, everyone was cutting at the right time. The Warriors ball movement, it all starts with Steph, right? Steph is the Duncan of this generation where he sets the foundation, even if he's not on his A game, he allows his gravity and his like, Aura, right? You know the um episode of Chappelle show, the one with Rick James, where <laughs> Chappelle's like he's got an aura. Yeah. Right. Or it wasn't it wasn't Chappelle that said it, it was Charlie Murphy. Yeah, Charlie Murphy brother. said what? Rick Not James. Eddie Murphy brother. Eddie Murphy's brother. Charlie Murphy said Rick James had an aura, right? And that's what Steph has. And it's kind of like silly to say it that way, but everyone's drawn to like everyone in the defense has to look at Steph, right? Five eyes on Steph at all times. And JD, I just feel like it opens up the floor for everyone else and everyone else like Looney for the series, 70% from the field, Draymond for the series, 57% from the field. He took 37 shots, which feels like way more than he usually would take. Mm -hmm. Jordan Poole (laughs) shot 64% for the series. He only took 44 shots, made 28 of them. Wiggins, 46% of his shots. Clay, 47%, 38% from three. 
And that and that's bad for his numbers. Exactly. <laughs> JD, just how do you they, feel about Steph's gravity and impact? I think uh, I, as we as we already knew and said, like he's a he changed the game. He's a revolutionary. I think it, I don't think there's many other ways that we can say much about it. And then to establish the culture that they built from within with him, Clay and Draymond, I think it just speaks to their greatness as um, a organization. And also as that those three formed a dynasty, they really formed a dynasty with Steph as the head of the snake. Like you can literally look and can tell what's all of their role. Steph is the best player. Draymond's the most impactful player. And Clay is the game changer. Like it's nobody in NBA history that can have a high streak like Clay Thompson. Like for a single game, there's no one that could do that. But for the stretch of a season, no one could do what Steph has done. Rarely anybody has did what Clay did, but it's nobody that could do what Steph has done. And then you add that with the toughness and the the intelligence, defensive-minded force of a Draymond Green. You have to look at at those three and say, this might be the best trio we done had since Kobe Powell and um Bynum. I would say Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili, but Kawhi had to become part of the big three for them to win in 14. That's true. I mean, yeah, that's like another thing, too, is that this team made the finals without having that Kawhi. Right? Because, yeah, they don't win that finals or get to the finals in 13 without Kawhi. But, like, they don't have a Kawhi on this team. But Andrew Wiggins. Oh, man. I think Andrew Wiggins deserves a ton of credit for how he's adjusted his game, how he's just gotten better since he's been in Golden State. Like, he didn't shoot well from three at all in that last series. I think he only shot 26% from three. But he was hitting the offensive glass. He had, I think we talked about it after the last pod, he had maybe the dunk of the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think he's honestly the perfect, like, counter to Steph, right? Because he's that big wing who's going to, who can hit pull-up shots. He's better at Harrison. He's better than that Harris, than Harrison Barnes is. Yeah. Only thing we, we, we will want Wiggins to do that Harrison Barnes did was not down the, the threes is at as high as a percentage. But outside of that, everything Wiz did is a plus. Well, I'd say the other thing Harrison Martins did too. I I don't think I trust Andrew Wiggins to guard Zebo. But thankfully there is no Zebo in today's NBA, so Yeah, true. That's not as much of an issue. I think the Warriors are crazy. I think the Warriors are the best offensive team of the final four, they were the best offensive team by far. Yeah. I don't really think it's close. They have, it's like death by a million paper cuts, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they are a machine versus having one one guy that operates as a machine. We can say two for Boston, but I think we just seen that 
both of those guys can be stopped and slowed down. You actually just reminded me of something too. So thank you. Cause one last like point about Steph being the star and the solar system, right? A lot of these teams, right? You give the word heliocentric is thrown around a lot, right? Revolving around the sun of one player. But it feels like a lot of the time when that's the case, it's a guy like Luca, right? Or a guy like James Harden, where you give him the ball and everyone everyone just stands there, right? You know, for the most part, Giannis isn't really like that. Tatum's not really like that. I feel like they move the ball more than, you know, a guy like Luca or Tatum does, or Luca or Harden does, right? Steph is heliocentric, but in his unique way. I don't think anyone's ever been the best player on a team and done this before. He is willing to give up the ball and move off of it to create openings for others. Yeah. No one, no one else in the history of the NBA, like no other star of his caliber. I think it's comfortable to say no other star of his caliber has ever done that on a consistent basis. Like Steph does, you, I've been, you know, I've been saying for a while now, JD, he's the best screener in the league. <laughs> Maybe not the best at actually screening, but when he sets the screen, you got to guard it. And that means someone's going to be wide open. And he draws that much attention, as you stated earlier. And other than like Jokic and Embiid, I mean, Giannis will screen like that, but he needs an actual ball handler on his team. Not like, (laughs) you know, not Pat Connaughton. KD doesn't really screen like that. Um, Kawhi doesn't really screen like that. Kawhi can get his offense in different ways, but he doesn't really screen like that. He's a unique player in that way, JD. And I feel like we, we don't appreciate it enough where he's just does it in a completely different way than everyone else. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a, a very underrated part of his game because we are so, um, infatuated with his shooting. I yeah. think, I think that that's what really changes a lot for us because we all are just so sucked into how great he shoots the ball. Yeah. And he just opens everything up for everyone else. Um, any last Mavericks thoughts before we do a preview of the next series? Um, for the Mavericks, not at all. I will say, I think the Mavericks need to find, I don't think they need like an elite guy to be their second scorer, right? I they need they either need to find a rim protector or they need to find a second guy. I don't think they should trade for Gobert. I think that's a horrible idea. <laughs> I love it. I mean, of course you do. I don't. Well, that just makes me think you don't like Dallas very much. I don't. So, <laughs> fair enough. So that's why you want Rudy Gobert to go there. But I think that. They either need to find a rim protector, right? Like, I don't think they're the worst Aiden destination. Let him have relieve some of the expectations he had on him in Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix would trade him to Dallas, but I think that would be an interesting Aiden spot where he could kind of not have to have as much responsibility. If the Heat do move off of Jimmy, I think Bam would be excellent next to Luka. Mm. I don't know if that how that would happen or if that I don't would happen. See, I don't see Miami making no move like that. Well, if they trade Embiid, JD, they're not keeping... If they trade for Embiid, they're not keeping Bam. I don't think that would work. They they go they go do all they can to keep Bam. 
I, we'll see. I, oh, that's going to be tough. They got those, those some shooters around harder. <laughs> and he go ask for PJ Tucker back. That would be crazy. Um, I, I don't know, JD. I just feel like they need to get a rim protector of some sort, right? They made it through. The Suns didn't take advantage of the fact. The Suns like to stop at the elbow and pull up. They couldn't. Well, they could. Aiden. They just chose not to. <laughs> they can't with Ada. I'm not going to go deep in. That. That's fair. That's fair. We don't want to waste more time ripping DeAndre Ayton than we already have. But Celtics Warriors, JD. Um, not the finals I would have predicted at the start of the season. But at, at the beginning of the playoffs, if you told me that was going to be the finals, I wouldn't have been surprised. What's your first read? Uh, like, what's your first opinions of this series? You know, an hour and a half after the end of Game Seven. <laughs> um, Boston in the experience, in experience, about to kill them. Same thing that happened with Memphis. The inexperience will kill them, and I'm taking Golden State in six. I need to be consistent, right? I think everyone kills me for that. Everyone kills me for being a flip-flopper. I've said all year that the team from the East is going to win the finals. So I'm going to take Boston in six, but I don't feel great about it. (laughs) Like, I think on the one hand, right? This is, tell you tell me what I get wrong here. So on the one hand, this is going to be a challenge for Golden State because this is the first not one-man team they've played. Like we were going through earlier, right? When I was talking about the injury stuff, Jokic, mm-hmm. one-man team. Ja, basically a one-man team. Like Desmond Bain was invisible when Ja was healthy. I think he was dealing with some kind of injury. And Dylan Brooks thought he, Dylan Brooks thinks he's how much times better than he actually is, right? On offense. And then in round three, Luca, one-man team. The Celtics have two legitimate scorers, right? Yeah, but I think the way Miami exposed, I think Jalen Brown got exposed more than Tatum did because Tatum can actually dribble. Tatum can use a two dribble pull up and Mm -hmm. be effective still. I think Jalen Brown lost confidence in handling the ball. And I think that with a team like Golden State, that's a great defensive team. I think they they take advantage of that. And Marcus Smart, we didn't really harp on this very much, but he had an awful close the game seven. Just absolutely brutal, missing layups, taking what the defense wanted him to take. Like <laughs> you don't want to be the guy, right? You don't want to be the guy. I'm trying to find the, a nice way to say this. He was just taking dumb shots, right? He was driving into traffic, throwing up runners. The Heat were like, okay, we're going to let Marcus Smart think he can beat us, right? We're going to let Marcus Smart try to hit the dagger. He did eventually hit the dagger free throws, but that's... I think Marcus Smart is like if Dylan Brooks was what he thought he was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not mean to take this many shots at Dylan Brooks. I think he's a fine player, but damn, man, that uh, he had a rough playoffs. I think the, on the other hand though, 
I think this will be Boston's biggest defensive challenge. And that's crazy seeing as they did a really good job on Giannis, who was previously thought to be their biggest defensive challenge. Mm -hmm. Like the Warriors don't stop moving, right? The Heat at times were willing to just stand there and let Jimmy do stuff with the ball. But they lost confidence. Exactly. The that's what oh, didn't go to state won't do. Exactly. They're gonna keep moving, they're gonna chip away. And the other thing that concerns me about Boston JD, we talked about this during the game seven part of the podcast. The way that Boston loses the leads at the end of quarters. And mm-hmm. I thought the biggest advantage Golden State has had over every single team it's played is just like they can go on a run in the last three minutes of the quarter and be up by 11 or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. And another and we- thing, I know we've been praising Boston defense, but being a team that switches as much as they will, Golden State will kill them on backdoor. Mm-hmm. Golden State will slip and backdoor them nonstop. The best way to, to beat the- a switch is with a slip. To, to the point, it's going to lead to open threes for shooters. <laughs> and I guarantee you, Clay does not shoot as bad as he had. Clay under 40% is bad shooting to me. I guarantee you he, he fits that. Well, Clay, I think, has finally got his legs back. I don't think he had his legs in the first couple of rounds. I think he's finally got his legs back, which is crazy that a guy, everyone else is dead tired at this time of year. Not Clay. Clay's like, finally. I can be back in the gym again. I still, JD, I still am going to go with Boston. But like I said, I'm not going to feel very good about it. Um, They basically need Tatum to have at least two of his performances he had against Milwaukee, right? They need at least, I'm talking specifically game six. Yeah. Tonight they got, you know, so Tatum put in 24 tonight. I don't think we really went through the, we didn't really go through the box score a whole lot for the game tonight. Um, Boston, so Jason it was Tatum. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart putting up what he had was really the game changer outside of Miami missing free throws. Yeah, because Derek White only had eight. Grant Williams only had 11. I will say, I think what could really hurt Boston is they don't have their Reggie Jackson, right? Mm. I I think they need that. And I we're not, I don't want to go too deep into offseason stuff for the Celtics yet. I think if they lose Terry Rozier. <laughs> yeah, for real. I if they do it. that was a terrible decision in hindsight's 2020. I did not care that they let go of Terry Rozier at the time. I wasn't a huge fan when he was in Boston. I was. But yeah, now that he's out of Boston, it's a very, very bad mistake. I think they should look at Jordan Clarkson, regardless of if they win the series or not. They got I think, to. I think Jordan Clarkson, they just need someone who can come in for 18 minutes and take a bunch of shots and hit a bunch of them. And I don't know what they're going to do. I I love their defensive front, right? Al Horford, I, Al Horford's going to be in my top 100 next year or this year. He's been incredible. I don't know what's gotten into this guy. He is unstoppable. He's unmovable when you try to post him up. He makes the right pass. There was one play where Tatum was cutting to the basket today and he hit Tatum in stride (laughs) for an easy cutting layup. I just don't know how much of an Al Horford series this is. I think that's the problem. I think he's going against a younger, better version of himself. Yeah. 
a lot better version of himself. Prime Al Horford is nowhere near Prime Draymond. Yeah. And I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they try to attack the small ball. I think Derek White's probably going to have to play a lot more than he did against Miami. They go try to play Prime Pitcher. So that's going to be a disaster. That is going to be a disaster. Because it's no way they're going to be able to shoot that good versus go to state. So they go try to, they go, they go need, they go try to have him in there just to be a little nuisance and make shots. I just don't see it working. And yeah, I, I'm getting, I'm being nice giving them six games. I totally understand you wanting to be mean, and I appreciate you giving the Celtics a couple games. I think there'll be a couple, like, even if they lose, there'll be a couple of games where they explode from three, right? Where Al Horford inexplicably has 15, Marcus Smart has 25, something crazy like that. So So tonight (laughs) for Marcus Smart, he was, he wasn't good though, JD. That's the thing. And he had a lot of points and he had a lot of rebounds. I just didn't feel like he was very good. But that's the mark. He was great on defense, right? He's always going to bring it on defense. Hey, I just got to say this. A lot of people said after game one, Jamie won't go do that when Marcus Smart played. He tore Marcus Smart ass up too. He tore everyone up. No, Jimmy, I'm telling you, he's a true superstar. Like, there's not a whole lot of them. He's made the conference finals. He's made a finals. He just hasn't won one yet. So that's, I, I feel as bad about putting Jimmy Butler season to bed, but it is what it is. JD, any last Celtics Warriors thoughts before we close for the night? Um, no, I think we, we covered most of it. I think we did too. Just a reminder, JD had Warriors in six. I had Celtics in six. Next time we talk, we'll probably only be a game or two into the finals. This, um, the, Finals isn't going to start until Thursday. So we're going to have a long time to talk about the finals. I think the finals is, if it goes long, it's going to be about three weeks long. So we're going to get three weeks worth of content out of this, JD. That's that's so much fun. Um, (laughs) Check out the power hour later in the week. I might have a special guest on to help me preview the finals again. JD, I'll I'll hit you up if you want to hop on, hop in on that one when I schedule it. But what do you got coming out on facts and stats? Uh, I, I, I actually got one I'm working on. I'm probably going to do um, do that one tonight. And it's more just about um, honesty. Being who you really say that you are. Not who you portray yourself to be through social media, through quotes, through words. Being... Uh, as authentic as you can in yourself and really living as who you are. And then you allow your words to reflect that. Something I know nothing about. Sounds like I need to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) And make sure you check out JD Saxon Sats. I did send you that one back. I don't should be putting one out soon. So make sure you check out, make sure you keep an eye on JD Saxon Sats feed. Make sure you keep an eye out for Lynn Sanity. Caleb and Bryce will be back this Wednesday. I can't wait to, I can't wait. Bryce is probably going to pick Warriors in four, don't you think? Yeah. He probably going to say they win in three. But then, it, no, actually, he's a fake Boston guy from time to time. So he'll give Boston one game. That's right. Bryce is, Bryce is generous that way. 
if they, if the, I'll have to say real quick, tech one last bit of analysis on at the end. If the Warriors win in five again, like five or less again, this is going to be one of the most dominant playoff runs ever. Yeah, <laughs> and they lost by forty at one of the games. <laughs> it's just crazy. And make sure you. You keep your eyes out for Circle City Cinema. Zach is trying to get a big episode together soon, so you don't you won't want to miss that. JD, this was a short episode, but a good one. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, my brother. And I want to thank you all so much for listening. 